Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey everybody, I'm Reggie Williams, founder and CEO of Ambrosia for Heads. And with me, I have Jake Payne, our EIC editor-in-chief. And together, this is our What's the Headline podcast. And we are super excited tonight. We got a crazy, crazy, crazy show dedicated um, almost exclusively to the verses that we just witnessed. This is hot off the presses. Uh, the two of us watched uh, Red Man versus Method Man collectively. And we had notes uh, giving each other smoke throughout. Like, you know, <laughs> really just had a great time and, and looking to really share that with you all. So, um, yo. What do you think, man? Overall, like, how does it stack up to verses in general? Man, I thought it was, I thought it was great. You know, I mean, I thought it was great for 420 and, and that whole festivities. And obviously with what's going on today, just like nationally and internationally, this was the dessert after a crazy day. And, you know, there was some, there was some messy parts, but there were some reminders, some stark reminders on why these are two of the greatest, you know, performers, MCs and, and certainly musicians. Yeah, man. For me, like you could see just the chemistry between them. You know, yeah. this was so D'Angelo did a show, and it's the first time we saw someone actually do kind of a performance, right? But this one, you know, even though there were some snafus and everything like that, their chemistry when they were actually performing was flawless. You know, mm-hmm. like you know, they would alternate between being each other's hype man, uh, you know, filling in lyrics for each other. Uh, yeah, and I just thought it was great. Mm-hmm. So, um, what were some of your favorite moments of it? Man, I mean, you know, in the whole thing, I I gotta go with the EPMD posse moment at the end, which is funny because that's a total diversion from the versus itself. But you know, I had made the comment to you at one point. I'm like, you know what? after the 20 songs, you know, after the 20 rounds, sometimes I feel like these bonuses can get a little bit sloppy. And just to bring out the posse like that for Red and Hit Squad and have Meth participate, you know, like you said, doing the hype, man, that was a highlight for me for a litany of reasons. Um, and and then you had, you know, Meth up there with RZA and Capadonna and Inspector Deck. It's a reminder that these guys are part of bigger family trees that embrace each other. So that was great. Um, yeah, what about you? Yeah, man. I mean, so Headbanger is the first time I ever experienced Redman. Like, okay. Um, you know, that song and his and it was a standout performance, right? It was like to me, it was like Buster on Scenario. Uh, it was like um, Nas you know, and Main Source or Big Pun on, on, on John Blaze. You had Nas Main Source. Like it was that standout performance uh, that that really established uh you know him as a special mc someone to watch um and so seeing that live i don't think i've ever seen that perform live before um it was amazing and you talked about some of the subtext there too because there's been you know there's been some back and forth over the years between some of the members but you know tonight it was just all love and so yeah i mean to me and i've always wondered you know dj scratch i mean huge shout outs to him i think he he added a lot of great energy to tonight with red and with meth 
um, and, and did some, you know, when there were snafus, did some things that really kept the party going and hyped up the verses long before, you know, Reggie or Meth hit the stage. Um, but, you know, I mean, he has not been on, you know, he's been on the outs with EPMD um, in recent years, just based on what's on Twitter and, and from what my understanding. So to see him, Eric Parrish was great. And then with this whole thing with, um, you know, Redman's Muddy Waters 2, which he's been promoting now for what feels like a decade, I know. And you and I, I think, talked with Eric about it. Um, you know, there's been some kind of debate of, of what involvement Eric Sermon would have, because obviously Redman is a great producer in his own right, produced a lot of his own great records. Um, and then you've got Rock Wilder and other folks in the camp. So to see Eric and, and Reggie sharing the stage together amid COVID, amid quarantine, um, when it's so easy for folks not to be there was just a dope moment. Yeah, they brought out tons of guests, man. So they yeah. had Keith Murray, uh, who looked great, like, you know, yeah. as good as he's looked in a long time. He did, you know, get lifted. I know it was one of your favorite. Uh, RZA, Inspector Deck, like you said. Uh, Do It All from Lords of the Underground came out. And that was a highlight. That was a highlight. And it was cool because they really, really used the platform, you know, mm -hmm. so... For Do It All, they let him uh, come out and announce the fact that he is uh, running for, um, what is it? Um, councilman, I believe. Councilman of, of Newark. I think it's West West uh, West Councilman uh, or mm -hmm. something like that. But, um, you know, great platform for him. They each promoted their own products that are coming out. Um, Meth has got like a couple strains of weed, it seems. Uh, you know, um, Redman. He is a store. Who knew? Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, it looks amazing too. Right. Like, uh, the the product looks amazing, um, and uh, you know, Redman uh, promoting, like you said, Muddy Waters too. He announced that they're they're putting out Blackout Three, which was a surprise to Meth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Meth confirmed uh, he's got a joint with Havoc producing, which uh, I believe AFH was one of the first places to report. Um, so just a lot of cool news and tidbits. And, and what was the other one too? Oh, uh, a RZA solo album produced by dj scratch yeah and and they gave a shout out to fife with his project and encouraged people to go out and buy nutshell uh the single to give him a gold single tonight you know and mm -hmm. just the power of this platform you could see something like that happen they brought out a lot of legends you know they brought k solo out we talked about that um they had dj cool let me clear my throat it was just uh, just a celebration yeah a really great night you know, so one of the things that um, I took note of is that this one, you know, these guys being such great friends and performing together for so long and having that kind of chemistry on stage, it wasn't clear whether it was going to be a competition or friendly celebration. You know, and mm -hmm. Ray and Ghost obviously have, have performed, have, they share a lot of similarities, uh, performed together and, you know, been on record together, but they made it clear from the outset that it was going to be a competition. Would you say this was a competition or a performance, a joint performance? I think it was more of a joint performance. And that, you know, that carried itself out in structure. I think you and I, you know, have score sheets, but there were times where we weren't sure of what was happening. You know, there was a break in the middle, which has happened with other verses. Um, but if you go by our count, there was a break in that. And then, you know, even down to like the fluidity of the performance into the bonus cuts, it was just a concert. And you got to think, I mean, now that the roots are with Fallon, I don't know if KRS-One is performing as frequently as he once used to, like even pre-COVID. These are two of the hardest working guys um, in hip hop and in all of music. And what they said at one point in the show is they usually do two shows in Colorado for this smoker's holiday. 
So for them to have an opportunity, really one of the only opportunities of the level to put on a proper hip hop show like this. Um, yeah, that's what it seemed like. And you know what it reminded me a lot of was the performances on Yo! MTV Raps. Just having the structure with the DJ in the back and then having the handheld camera on stage and them rapping to the camera while kind of walking in motion. I don't know. I mean, you lived through the Yo! MTV era more than I did, but did you kind of get that vibe a little bit? Yeah, you know what? I, I didn't think of it until you said it, but now that you say it, like, it was very much like that. I mean, the, the background was much more elaborate. I yeah. thought that the, the big screen was cool with the graffiti and the, the images of neighborhoods and, like, bodegas and stuff like that. I thought that was really, really dope. But you're right in terms of, like, the setup and the performance. It did feel kind of like those days of Yo! MTV Raps. And, you know, you talk about them being hardworking. They said from the outset they were not going to sit down. They didn't sit down a single no. time, you know, and Redman had smoke. Um, they, actually, they both had smoke because apparently there's some jokes about their age. Yeah. But, uh, you know, those dudes, like, worked as hard as anybody I've seen and, like, are both, like, in great shape, too. Like, you know. Um, a lot of people coming out of COVID, you know, with spare tires around their bellies. And, you know, I was texting with some friends and these guys look as physically fit as they have in the last, in my opinion, in the last 20 years. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Matt has definitely been hitting the weights. You know, I saw a men's health uh, video of his workout and, and, and fitness routines really, you know, really, really putting in the work. And Redman never, ever gains weight. It's crazy. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So you said you think it was a performance. I would agree with you, but I would say there was a little bit of subtext, right? You know, mm -hmm. Reggie comes out with a T-shirt that says Reggie. Uh, then um, what does it say? It said Reggie, Jay-Z, Tupac, and Biggie, right? Like th those are his goats and in that order. So he's putting himself at the top of the list. I didn't see Matt on the t-shirt. You know what I mean? Well, uh, wait, isn't it's, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but that sure was a reference to Eminem's lyrics, right? It is. It is. Yeah. I'm saying he chose to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> Word. <laughs> on yeah. this night, you know what I mean? So like, even though, they're friends, and it was a friendly thing. You know, I think that the MC, MCs always have a competitive spirit about it. It's the essence of hip-hop. Yeah, and I mean, Red in particular, you know, you and I at Ambrosia have documented, I mean, he came up as a battle MC. Unfortunately, you know, that era of, like, 88 to 90 is not documented with, like, video and audio. We would benefit so much from today, but, you know, there's, there's epic stories of do-it-all as well as Bismarcky running around with Red and having him battle people. Um, and with meth, I would imagine, you know, there's there's some history there too of him squaring up with folks. Right. So it was friendly and all love, but in the spirit of hip hop, I think you and I are gonna do a little scoring, right? Uh, Word. Not, it, it is what it is, man. And barbershops is gonna go, go down, so it's going down here tonight. Before we do that, let me, let me throw you a question just for context, because I still see people leaving comments when I went on here a year and change ago and said that DJ Premier, you know, was like my hip hop hero. And so, I mean, going into this between the two guys, is there one that you listen to more than the other? You know, um, I, I thought that there was, but like after tonight, and I don't want to give anything away. Uh, yeah. um, I realized it's much more even than I realized. And in fact, it might tilt, uh, the, the opposite way that I thought it did. Okay. Um, but, but I'll say this, I've been huge, huge fans of both of these guys 
and, and, and in fact, this might be for me, the most balanced battle in terms of like how much of a fan I am of both MC. And that's not saying that, you know, obviously in each one I've been fans, but I'm saying like, I'm a super fan of both of these dudes, yeah. uh, you know, um, and, you know, given what we do and, and how much of a favorite each one is for um, our audience, um, I've really immersed myself in their catalogs very deeply for the last several years. So I listen to both pretty regularly. How about you? Same. I mean, it's neck and neck. I think as a kid, I came into being a fan of Redman first. I'm not sure of that. Um, but I mean, you know, Def Squad, you only get one album. And with Wu-Tang, you know, you get all these albums. Um, so I think it's a neck and neck. And the other question I wanted to ask you too, and, and I, 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 I always think there's things I don't know, but I mean, any personal connections to either or both of these guys through the course of your career? Yeah, a few, a few. Uh, I know it's a rhetorical question on your part, but, but, but I'll go ahead. So um, Meth, um, you know, the first time I had a connection with him, I interviewed him um, for AFH. And I'll never forget, uh, it was to support his Tommy Boy project, uh, the Meth Lab, uh, the first one. And um, it was over the phone. He was on set in New Orleans doing something. I can't even remember what the project was that he was on. And it was blazing hot outside. And I can't remember why, but it fell at a time where I had to do it in my car. And so I did it in the car and I didn't want like the New York noise, which is you know constant to interfere. And so I had the windows rolled up uh, because I figured I might use the We might use, want to use the audio recordings, actually yeah. the first audio recordings. And dude, when I tell you I was sweating profusely, I mean, yeah. like, greasy, like just greasy. Like I didn't have any water. Like it was crazy, but the, the conversation was so engaging and I'd only expected to get like, 15 minutes or so and it gave me like you know close to an hour it was a really 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 great conversation and i think that i can um I, I think i can say that he's been a supporter and a fan of ours uh because of that and you know just the way we've covered the culture for quite some time you know um and so that was really great and then i got to meet him in person um backstage at a3c a couple of years ago when wu-tang uh, closed out the night and that was great too and like he showed showed a lot of love that night and so Redman, you know, um, I had been chasing for quite some time because I have a, a show idea and still want to do the show with him, which I think would be gangbusters. But um, finally connected with him, actually, uh, Kevin Lyles. Shout out to Kevin Lyles, who they, they shouted out tonight. And quite a bit. The, the Def Jam executives, because it was their idea for putting those two dudes together on a tour. And that's what formed this, this lifelong bond that they've had. But, but Kevin connected me with uh, James Ellis, uh, who actually is the manager for both Redman and Method Man, and they shouted him out quite a bit, referenced him quite a bit tonight. Um, and so I, I, I talk, uh, I, um, actually, I, um, I met Redman at, um, at South by Southwest. He did a show, uh, Bone Rush the Stage, you know, he's, like you said, in the DMX video we did, I'm not shy when it comes to like, you know, especially when I'm repping for AFH, I'm going to go hard. Yeah. You know? So I met Redman, uh, talked to him afterwards, talked to him about how much uh, I wanted to work with him. Um, got a picture with him, which was really dope. He connected me with, with James Ellis too. And then we started like just uh, talking and we've had, you know, a number of phone calls and just like really connected that way too. So 
feel like I've had some meaningful interactions with both, uh, which have only just, you know, further solidified my respect and admiration for them. But what about you? Yeah, I um early on in my career, 2002 or three, I can't tell you for sure, when I was very new and green, working with all hip hop, interviewed Method Man. And he was the first hip hop artist that ever sunned me. I mean, I've had some cringeworthy moments in my career where, you know, you ask the wrong thing or you might upset an artist by accident. I pissed meth off. And you know what? That was a total reflection um, of me and preparedness at the time. You know, this was before Spotify and and all the the streaming platforms. And I didn't own um, Judgment Day to Cal 2000. And I was asking him questions about that album. And I even quoted a verse because I could find lyrics online that wasn't his. It was Street Life's, who also appeared tonight. And Meth put me in my damn place. I mean, I was 18 years old, but I never forgot that. And then through AFH, um, I connected with him most recently in 2017 or 18. Um, and he couldn't have been nicer. And he was a huge fan, as you said, of, of our platform. Um, you know, out of his way, supporter of AFH. And had an incredible conversation with him. And I reminded him of that in passing. And he was like, oh, man, those were weird times in my life. And uh, I wasn't feeling the press so much back then. And um, it was a nice bookend. And as far as Red, more so, I've spent, I've spent time in person with Red. We actually had a, a really amazing conversation in around 2009 or 10 in Jay-Z's office at Def Jam. Um, Jay had just stepped away, um, left Def Jam and, you know, top floor, beautiful, like penthouse office suite. And we were just kicking it uh, at the pool table. And I got a great interview with him. And he was extremely complimentary to the point when the interview was over, Red was like, yo, man, kick it, you know, um, which, which, which meant a lot to me at the time. And I've always found, you know, him to be, you know, incredibly gracious. So, uh, and, you know, at least through social media platforms, another great supporter of AFH, which is hard as you and I work at this, um, that always means a lot, you know. Yeah, man, you know, there's that saying that you never want to meet your heroes, but, you know, it's not really true. A lot of yeah. times these guys are, are really, really, um, you know, charming, engaging, charismatic, uh, cool people. And if you show them the respect that they deserve and do your homework, you know, yeah. you know, um, especially if you do your homework when you're doing an interview, um, I think that the, that they repay that because they, they respect and appreciate that you studied too. So I'm glad you had that, that moment to kind of like turn things around. Valuable lesson, man. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, shout out to both of those guys. Okay. So without further ado, um, do you want to talk a little bit about the first round? Method man versus red man. Here we go. First round. This is for all my smokers versus how to roll a blunt. I had that one um, as a tie. Um, you know, for me, it was an interesting way to start out. You know, uh, both have bigger records, mm -hmm. um, but they started off like, you know, you know, early in the catalog and really just like taking it, taking it, taking it, um, taking it slow, like, like pacing. And I'm not sure how much of this, uh, at least early in the catalog for, for it, I'm not sure how much of this was, um, was their sequencing versus DJ Scratch. Yeah, it's hard to tell. 
Um, but 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 I thought it was an interesting choice to start. How about you? Yeah, I mean, it was a 420 theme, you know, like, and, and let's not forget, I mean, there's folks out there, and I think this is a testament to both artists' audiences. There's folks out there that probably can't name three songs from each tonight that are tuning in. I mean, this is an event, and if, if you're part of cannabis culture, you know, this is what you do. And, and there's a reason why I think this is the first Versus in quite some time that's, you know, in a Tuesday night. So it was a fitting way to start. You, I believe, um, we both agreed this was a tie, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that, that's a good point about, uh, I completely, like, forgot it was 420, maybe uh, too much. Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, yeah, but, but, but that's true. Like, um, you know, so the second one is when it started getting interesting. You know, um, how did you score that one? So, you know, it's there's times where a record that you don't expect will win you over and that i feel like that's true of just old classic concert going so meth went first and he went with what the blood clot you know it's a cal deep cut in my opinion and i didn't expect that and i believe meth even said i didn't anticipate performing this song necessarily tonight um but here we go and he went up against red man hardcore hardcore is the song that you know i know through and through i've listened to it you know, for much of my adult life and, and even, you know, as a, as a teenager, preteen. Um, but I had to give it up to meth. I thought his performance, and there was a few times this happened tonight where the lesser record was outperformed. And I also thought right away, like, okay, this isn't going to be textbook. You guys aren't just going to run through the hits. So, I mean, it's not, it's not definitively, but I'm, I chalked it up to uh, meth and you went, so okay, before I, before I answer, I want to know generally, were you ranking these based on performance or on record? Record absolutely ties in, but I thought you know Meth is a top level performer, um, as is Red, and I thought that Meth performed the song and made the moment feel special, especially coming off of round one, where neither one of those songs are, the, are my joints, you know, pun intended. And so this was an opportunity and I thought that meth really kind of put his back into it with what the blood clot. So I went there and, um, but there are times where it's head to head. And you and I talked about a lot of this with Ray and ghost where, you know, the record is the tipping point, you know? Yeah. You know, so I'm going to say for me, generally I, I ranked based on the record, not the performance. There were okay. a couple of exceptions and I'll get into that when we talk about it. But generally, I, I base it on the record. But, you know, interestingly, um, in most instances, not all, but in most, they just rap the instrumentals, yeah. which is crazy because, you know, um, these records, they went so deep in their catalog for, for some of them. I don't know when they would have last performed them. And even if they're performing them regularly, like you said, it's not like they had been performing in a year anyway. So, like, to, to remember all those records um, was pretty impressive. Um, I've seen these guys a bunch. I don't think I've ever seen them without each other performing um, that I can remember, you know, at least on the solo level. Um, I don't think I've ever seen Meth perform What the Blood Clot. So, you know, Hardcore is a joint in Reggie's, you know, in Redman's catalog. So, you know, it would have made sense to maybe do like a Release Your Delph or, you know, there's other songs that make sense stacked up against this. But again, it's one of those things where you don't expect to see it. They do it, in my opinion, very well and i'm gonna honor that and and it's interesting how our um approaches differ a little bit yeah so i would go with hardcore 
Okay. Because I, I like that 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 record um, better. Incredible record. You know, um, you know, and what the album obviously was like a huge like you know introduction for for Reggie like um, you know in terms of a full body of work. So like you know important record on a very important album for him. So as an aside, would you say that's your favorite uh, Red solo album? No, I, I wouldn't say that. You know, um, it's hard for me to pick. Like, um, I, I like Darius a Dark Side a lot, and I know that's that's one that a lot of heads don't gravitate toward. But for me, uh, Can't Wait is just incredible, and like, you know, um, some really dark records on that. You know, just a, uh, I love that. Um, and then Muddy Waters is a big one for me too. But what about you? Yeah, Muddy Waters was my intro, and it's funny because. Um, there is a dark side I hear a lot of hip-hop heads talk about that and I've actually spoken to read about it and you know you don't hear about this a lot in hip-hop but it's one of those albums that he doesn't love revisiting because it was you know the it wasn't weed that he was doing during that album it was heavier stuff and it was a very dark confusing time in his life and it shows itself in the music um, and I've always tried to get huge into that album and I've, I've bought it numerous times and then traded it in back when that was a thing that's not my favorite. I veer back and forth, believe it or not, between what the album and Doc's the Name 2000, which was, you know, late 90s, I'll be that red man. So it's totally different. But um, that's why I asked, because recently I played what the album and I was like, man, this is this is Red's finest hour for me. But that could totally change as it often does for hip hop heads. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So. Um, so far, it was Ty and round one and you scored method man round two i scored mm -hmm. red man round two so sounds like we're even right now yes sir okay. so third round um shame on a you know uh wu-tang versus can't wait Woo! i mean <laughs> dude like whenever i heard songs typically you know i hear the one song and i, I already know how i'm gonna score it and so I'd had, you know, I'd had it down that I was going to do Shame On, you know, and yeah. Can't Wait, one of my favorite Redman songs of all time. So uh, I had to, I, I couldn't, I couldn't go against that record, but, but again, how can I go against that classic Wu record? So that one was a tie. And I think it's around that time that, that you had, uh, what, was your, <laughs> what was your, you said I had more ties than who? Then I'm gonna change it to Men's Warehouse now, but uh, <laughs> I said Joseph A. Banks. Right, right. <laughs> um, no, that's fine. I, I think we're always allowed a few ties, and it just it was happening a lot at the top. I went, I went. Uh, I can't wait. You know, I can't wait. And um, it was close to me, but I didn't want to throw two ties in the first three rounds. Um, and I thought that Red, you know, I, I said it before about Meth. I thought Red performed this one a little bit better, so I gave him the edge up. And I said. This is Hagler versus Hearns. <laughs> it's a close fight. It's okay if these dudes tie in a bunch of rounds. That that was my take. But anyway. Word. So next up was uh, React, um, Red's Joint with Eric Sermon, um, and versus Dangerous Ground by Meth, which I believe was on the uh, Takao 2000 album. So you and I, for the first time, not counting a tie, agreed on this one. Which was it? Shadow Boxing. Yeah, I mean, just a uh, just. Oh, a, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, shadow boxing. Right? You changing your, your score? You changing? Your mind? No, no, no. I jumped ahead to the next round. You'll have to pardon me. On uh, I uh, mm -hmm. I went I went to the the round after that. Yeah, shadow boxing on the Jizza feature. Excuse me, versus one two one two on the Meth yeah. and Red. 
but yeah. we did we did agree on this one and it was liquid swords all day shadow boxing okay so next round like you said react versus dangerous ground um we both re- um agreed on that one too and it was red man um you know uh, react so um all right so you know we're still tied up you and i are still still dead even on this one so far so yep. after that um we went to what i'm gonna do now uh from red man's mouth practice album and then y-o-u which was um a joint meth and red one and you know so uh, let's talk about that for a second so how did you score generally records that were joint red man and meth and man records it got a little bit murky um you know and in a case like this i kind of went off of the performance for each um and i wasn't you know the fact that they were together on something didn't give it a tipping point I think if they were on, you know, both songs, that was that kind of validated a tie at certain places. But again, you know, um, this one was a little bit, little bit tricky. Did you approach it any different? You know, it was hard for me. Um, I what I tended to do, and I did that on this one, was if it was a joint record, and I really liked both performances, then I typically gave it a tie, regardless of what the other record was that was competing. Mm-hmm. So um, this one I, I gave a tie because I thought on YOU they both like just smashed it and you know and so I, I gave them both a point on that one. Yeah, and I can I can support that. One thing I will say, and I um you know on this one I did go Method Man, um you know with with YOU as well. Um, what I think is interesting, and we've seen this more and more as Versus has progressed, they've really spread out their catalogs. I mean, here you are six rounds in by my count. And you've got features, you've got, you know, gaps of more than 10 years um, from the stuff that they're doing, you know, from early to late, they're really mixing it up. And I thought that DJ Scratch did a really interesting job with a lot of these records. There was a moment of guessing, he would play the samples into the song. Sometimes he would do, you know, different kind of cold starts. It was engaging. And, you know, yes, as we've said a couple of times, there are technical difficulties, but I think you've got to, you know, reward the originality there. Yeah, and, and speaking of Scratch, like, shout out to him for holding it down once again. Like, I thought his warm-up set was great, really sets the tone. And then uh, this time, I don't recall if he did this last time, but this time doing the interludes in between the soulful interludes with, like, Curtis Mayfield and, uh, you know... Uh, Luther, yeah. Luther, yeah, and George Benson was 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 really great. Uh, just, you know, reminding how much soul music is integrated in hip-hop you know there's one thing scratch did that i didn't love and i'm just gonna keep it a bean he and it made me wonder if he had a lot of involvement on both playlists he played a lot of the joints that he did for these guys and a lot of those happened on the blackout albums and let me say it here scratch phenomenal producer i mean um i think it was cool herc that said he's a grand master at the turntables undisputed facts um and, you know, joints for LL, Busta, I can go on and on. But I have to say that some of the things that Scratch has done for Red and Meth are not my favorite. And a lot of those were not singles. So I noticed at about the first half of the battle, somewhere in there of the verses, Scratch was favoring things he had done. And that was cool. But I think that's something that might have could have been scaled down a bit. Yeah, you know, I'll say it's interesting because I think track selection does play a huge role in this. And I think that's probably why my initial assessment 
of how I was going to um, be scoring this was thrown off was because I probably expected a very different set of records. Mm-hmm. One interesting thing is that um, for the most part, they kept the selections to their own material, either solo or group or together. And in instances where they had feature records, it tended to be records that, you know, from, were from, uh, that really kind of helped to put them on. So like mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that, you know, so yeah. it, it, there were a couple exceptions to that, but if you think about like both, both guys, but especially meth, he has so many features that you know, he could have done 60 features. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, but, 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 but neither one really did that. And so it, it changed up the, 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 the dynamic a little bit, but, um, so next up was whatever man versus the Riddler. Uh, and for that one, we both scored a red man. I mean, that is just such a, a, a just a yeah. record, man. Uh, just, I mean, I mean, wow. It's it's one of my top five red man records. Oh, easily top three for me. It takes me back to 1996. Anytime I hear it, Blues Brothers is one of my favorite films of all time. So the video was a big jump off to you know his personality, and um, yeah, I love that song. When and when they played it first. I didn't want to write anything on the scorecard because I thought that would be disingenuous to uh, Mr. Meth. But in my mind, I was like, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a bring the pain or something to to talk me out of this. And, and yeah, we did both agree. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so a- Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. So after that, you know, I, I, one of the things I wanted coming into this was the Def Squad album, which I think that um, I think that it is a, a very satisfying listen almost 25 years after it came out. I'm a fan of all three of those guys. Um, I've talked about it on the show, but, you know, being 14 or 13 at the time when they made Rapper's Delight or remade it um, gave me a huge education and an appreciation for late 70s, early 80s rap. And I'm forever grateful. And then shortly thereafter, they came out with El Nino. And even though the, uh, the title of that album might have been hella topical at the time, it's aged very well. So to watch the next round, um, Red do full cooperation from the Def Squad album, I love that. And then Meth did um, uh, break up to make up with uh, D'Angelo. And this um, is where you came with the smoke. Go ahead, say it publicly. Say it publicly. <laughs> Yo, I love I you know love D'Angelo. Seen him in concert with you. I think that it's his worst rap collaboration. Um, I just never liked that song. And to be a hundred percent truthful, I. I love Takao so much. I did. It was, you know, I bought it shortly after it came out. The second Takao has always been more of an acquired taste for me. And that joint, people love it. I struggle with it. And and then on top of it, you hear me out here fanning out for full cooperation. So you know which way I'm leaned. Jake Payne does not like <laughs> R&B, ladies and gentlemen. Like, it's, it's, it's documented. It's a fact. I know you try and, like, sign in Alexander O'Neill and, like, you know, once in a while, but it's a rare exception, man. Well, in any case, yeah. uh, <laughs> since I don't have your cooperation, uh, <laughs> you know, when I heard full cooperation, I did exactly what you were tempted to do uh, the last round. I put a, I put a, uh, a score, a check in the box for, for, um, for uh, Redman on that one. You know? Yeah. Um, but then, you know, 
when meth came out, breakups to makeup. So, you know, all I need is obviously the, the big song that meth gets props for, for the romantic, romantic side. But, you know, um, Red said uh, that he didn't have songs for the ladies there, but meth's got tons and tons of songs for the ladies. That's, that's part of his catalog. Yeah. yeah. He said he was a sex symbol too. It's it funny. Uh, <laughs> Um, and I think I heard a lot of swoons when Matt took his t-shirt off. But um, so for me, though, breakups to makeups is underrated as a uh, hip hop love song. It's not okay. mentioned, you know, uh, in the same breath as All I Need and like uh, I Need Love and Silent Treatment and things like that. But for me, it's an all time great like hip hop love song. And I, and I, I beg to differ. I, I disagree strongly about D'Angelo's performance on it. I think it's soulful and the way it's done is very subtle. It almost sounds like a sample instead of a performance. And, you know, um, I think a lot of times when you have a singer on it, it kind of overpowers the record to take over it. But this one is very well integrated for me. So I, I think I think it's a great record. So I had to yeah. give it a tie. I gave it a tie. Because full yeah. collaboration is amazing also. Uh, but but I love breakups to makeups, and that's a really good point of his voice being like a sample. You know, he had some, he did some work on um, I forget which of the tracks. It might be the Cold World remix, but you know, early on in his career, D'Angelo has a credit with Jizza, and it's the same thing. You know, as I recall, of just like he treated that voice like an instrument. So you know, there you go, boom, three four years later. Yeah. Um, so next up, we have uh, Big Dogs. You know, another another collaboration between the two. Versus Mind Made Up, you know, the Tupac All Eyes on Me joint that, uh, you know, they featured on. And I thought that was interesting that there weren't a lot of stories in this one, especially compared to other verses. Um, but they they made a point on this stage to break down something that uh, you and I covered on Ambrosia and it existed in the annals of hip hop. But is also, you know, worth being said is that, you know, that song started out as a dog pound record. Pac came out of prison in 95 and when all the death row producers were kind of erasing their tracks and giving joints to Pac, including Dre, including Daz, you know, everyone else, that was one. And the version that they made, Inspector Deck was on. And even Meth was like, you can find it on YouTube, which was dope, especially with Deck there. And, and then later, um, some of the props that Meth gave Deck in particular as they performed, uh, I think it was Triumph later on. So which one, how'd you score so for this one, um, I think we agreed. We just tied. You know, it was both joints with both artists. Um, I didn't feel like one performance stood out from the other. I think we both just said this one's a draw, right? We said it was a draw, but my understanding, at least the way I voted, was that um, it was for mine made up. Okay. I think it's a little funny on our sheet then. Yeah, for me, it was for mine made up. Okay. Uh, you know, obviously both are on that record and yeah. we both have like amazing verses. And so I gave them both a point for that. I see. I see what you're saying. Okay. Word. Interesting. Yeah. yeah and that makes sense. Cause that's the record I, I you know, bond with and, and know inside out a lot more than, than big dogs. You know, one thing I'll say that I never understood and they didn't address it tonight. And it may have been one of those things that's lost in translation or they didn't talk about it, but I feel like when there was a previous conversation and we covered it on AFH, I feel like lady of rage, was on that joint as well. Um, and she did not make all eyes on me. And I feel like she was another artist that was taken off, which was interesting. Um, Cause if I'm not mistaken, I think scratch played Afro puffs uh, during the, the break. And I thought of that too. Yeah, he did. And I think he actually played it. Um, 
uh, the last one, last set he did too. Um, okay, word. I think I remember that because uh, it's such a hard record. I always get crazy when I hear it. Um, and that's the last time I heard it. But next round, we go to Wu-Tang Clan, Ain't Nothing. And, you know, that song, uh, interestingly, there was no, um, there was no uh, competition for it. They didn't play a, a second song. They went on a break, right? They went on a break afterwards, but that's when RZA came out the first time. And you said RZA brought the ruckus. Yo, yeah, RZA brought the energy, and that's great to see. I mean, he was just like there. He was he was geared up, and to me, that song is one of the great RZA verses. I mean, he sets it off, and you know, I know we all talk about RZA, the producer and the avid, but he was a great MC, especially on that first Wu album, and it was just great you know, to see him. And that's where we learned that, you know, him and Scratch are working on something that they made over, uh, over quarantine. And I should say, and this sounds like a bragathon, but since Red and Meth, we're all about plugs tonight. You know, Riz has been very, very supportive of AFH as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and supportive of his crew too. Like I really love the fact that both for this one and for uh, Ghost and Ray, uh, you came out. You know, uh, yeah. Wu came out like, and these guys have been through a lot together, a lot of years together. But you know, there, there's that bond, and they still come out to support each other. So that, that I thought that was pretty amazing. You know, um, so we got a break after that. Um, Scratch like uh, picked it up once again, and they come out just firing. Yeah, uh, you know, um, it was the what versus pick it up and uh you know you said blend um and um for me the what may be my favorite method man verse of all time like mm. it just it just is the whole song i mean he and biggie like yeah that's that's the thing too right like you think about history and like sliding doors moments and you know given the performance of that record I could have easily seen Big and Method Man doing an entire solo album and touring together on it, um, and then maybe having several. So would Method Man and Red Man have even happened, you know, if that if that had occurred, um, you know? But I, I thought I, so. I had to give it. I had to give it to Method on that one. Yeah, I did as well. Um, Pick it up is is a great Red Man song. It's one that I listened to a lot at this chapter in my life. Scratch, I forget what he used as an instrumental, but it wasn't the record one. He made a blend with it, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, again, I, it, it, it didn't add value to it, in my opinion. And for reasons you just stated, I was like, the what wins? I mean, that's, that's you know, that's like being dealt three aces. So, you, you know, you're good money with that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, what was next? The round and round, and you said uh, the remix with with John L. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Versus one of Redman's uh greats, you know, and they were clowning each other about this, you know, one of his lady records, which was in the series, but Superman Lover Three. And he said that, you know, Funk Flex was a huge proponent, you know, huge supporter of this record, which I didn't realize not growing up in the tri-state. And uh I thought, you know, you talk about the great moments of the night. I thought this performance was one of the better moments of the versus itself, especially one that doesn't involve any guests or surprises. Red, uh, he <laughs> he went full superhero theme, put the cape on, um, and and got low for it, and really played the song up. And what I have to say about that is, 
you know, Superman Lover was a cool series. I'm not the biggest fan of series. You know, I love EPMD. The Jane records were never the ones I gravitated towards. But it was a case of he sold me this record and made like tomorrow I'm going to listen to it three times because of the way he performed it tonight, which is, again, a great quality of of concerts, of hip hop and certainly of verses. Yeah, this one hurt me, man. I just, I'm gonna be honest. This one hurt. Yeah. Me. Like um, that round and round uh, remix is just so crazy. Like yeah. I, I love that song. Like okay. it takes me back to a very specific era in New York. Um, you know, it is just, you know, it's Nels. It's like um, Cheetah. It's like, man, I love that record. And you know, Matt just his verse is so incredible. And if we were going on records. I would go with that one, and mm-hmm. but, but like you said, man, that performance by Redman, you could see the energy shift in the building. Like you know, that's when people actually got hyped in the crowd. You know, Redman had been employing people to give them some more energy, yeah. but the energy was off the charts for that. And Matthew was giving them energy, and like the whole James Brown with the cape thing, like you said, was just amazing. Uh, that was one of my two favorite moments of the entire night that and headbangers so i had to give it to i had to give it to reverend you make a really interesting point about the crowd and there were a couple times tonight where i felt that these guys were done an injustice by not having what we're used to and it's funny too because up until the very end i couldn't get a sense of how many people were actually in that room you know like you know was it 100 was it 200 was it 25 and there was a couple times I got to see the crowd and it wasn't a lot. It actually, a couple points and that being one sounded like more than it looked like, but there were a few times their banter on stage, even in between songs. Um, and just the element that I've seen these guys able to produce before a live audience wasn't achievable and you can't fault them for it, but I have to imagine for both of these guys as performers that I don't think they've probably done a virtual concert before that has to be, really jarring and I liken it to you know going to see a comedy in a theater and you know I remember I went in high school with my friends to see Kings of Comedy and it was empty we went caught an early matinee on like a Thursday and no one was in there and I wish I would have seen it in a packed theater where everyone was laughing um because you feed off of that energy so I'll say all that to say I think it's incredible how they did where you can't feed off of that yeah man it's it's always been a hallmark for me seeing performers early in their career, like I saw Dizzy Wright like this. Mm. I saw an artist named LG, who I'm a huge supporter of from New Orleans, like this, where, you know, it's a crowd of five or 10 people. And in one instance, it's like, you know, uh, it was raining. And, but, you know, the person is performing like it's, you know, Madison Square Garden sold out. You would never know that it was like five or 10 people in the crowd. Like that to me is the makings of a superstar. And to see these kind of, these guys give the kind of energy that they did in what's basically an empty Apollo theater, uh, you know, had to be echoing in there, um, is amazing and a testament, like you said, to who they are as, as performers and as artists. Um, so next round was "Gonna Love Me" by Tiana Taylor, the remix. Mm-hmm. I made a point of you know, pointing out that it was a, a Ghost and Ray joint, but you know, he finally got his verse on it. I remember the video was amazing because it paid homage to um, Meth and Mary, um, you know, too. And the song was so great. And uh, it was a big one for us. And then um, it was against serial. It was versus serial killer. 
So um, for that one, um, I gave it as a tie, but for serial killer since both, uh, you know, meth and red are on that for blackout. Um, so how about you? Yeah. I mean, same way. And I know I said that, you know, I'm not the biggest listener or supporter of, of Takao 2000. I, I just went back last week and it's, it's just an album that doesn't stick to my ribs. That being said, I mean, the next year or year half after they came with that blackout album, the first one I loved. I just thought, and that was one of the joints that I thought really showcased their chemistry at that point. And I love the performance tonight and all of that. And then, you know, that objectively, I always cringe a little bit at the Gonna Love Me remix because that was a case where you and I disagreed um, in our days of publishing Ambrosia every day. I didn't see that, that remix as a priority the way you did. And I will say right now, you were right. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. You were 100% right, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, and it's interesting that he pointed out, too, because that was the angle that, that I used, was that it, it was him rhyming on that track, you know, yeah. for the first time. Um, you know, so that, that, that was cool. It was cool that uh, it meant something to him, too. You know? So um, the next one was kind of interesting because these are two recent songs um, on the Meth Tip is Squad Up, which was a song that's been around for over two years. Um, we it blew up on ambrosia in i believe early 2019 and it's street life method man on a havoc beat um and street life hit the stage for this versus nutshell part two which you just mentioned it is the fife dog record featuring red man and buster rhymes so both of these guys are kind of showing you now what they've done recently and i thought that was interesting and you and i disagreed on this one yeah, you know, and I'll point out, I felt bad on this one because, like you said, Street Life came out. He's been, um, you know, um, he and Meth have, have been connected for years. He's had several of his own projects. He's had Meth on a lot of his projects and vice versa. And, you know, uh, this was his moment to get, like, a really big platform. And there was a snafu uh, you know, where the record was playing Meth's vocals during during his part. Uh, I think it was Meth's vocals. but you know, I'll say that um, to me, I, I can understand how he would be frustrated, but for me, like I could hear his vocals clearly and I, you know, I thought he performed well yeah. and handled it well and, you know, a scratch tried to drop out uh, the volume periodically. So to me, it was still a, a good look for Street Life, you know, um, but um, for that one, I gave it to Nutshell just because I love that record, um, you know, um, that they, they shouted out Fife and like I said, they challenged people to give Fife a gold, a gold record is at that moment. And I, I had to give it to, to, to Nutshell, not because of the snafu, but because of just the record. So, yeah. Yeah, and that's where we yeah. differ. I just had, you know, apples to oranges. I prefer the uh, the meth joint. Yeah. Um, and and, and uh, um, Nutshell is on our playlist right now, too. So Yeah, that's right. That's right. But buy it, buy it. Let's get Fife a gold plaque. Yeah, Buster Rhymes on that track, too. It's a dope yeah. track. So then we started to continue to raise the stakes. They really, in the, uh, in the last kind of quarter here, finished strong. Grand finale, Meth reminded folks that's on the Belly soundtrack versus what might be my favorite Red Man song, Time for Some Action. Uh, well, actually, oh, no, excuse me. Uh, yeah, four, three, two, one. Yeah, four, three, two, one. Uh, so on that one, um, four, three, two, one. 
I mean, I, I ran it back quite a bit over the last few weeks because yeah. of X, and this was a moment where this whole section became kind of a tribute to um, to Fife and DMX, um, you know, and you, know, you skipped ahead, but it's no spoiler that grand finale was in the next round. So yeah. they, they doubled up on the, on the X versus, which I thought was really dope. Um, one of the things that Scratch pointed out that I thought was amazing. I'd like to go back and check this, but but I couldn't think of um, of anyone else off the top of my head. But he said that Meth is the only person who has a verse with Biggie, Pac, and DMX. Um, you know, three like you know phenomenal, legendary artists that we've lost. It's pretty pretty crazy. That was a powerful statement. Um, but for me, um, I gave it to to. A, a tie because both red and meth are on four, three, two, one. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for me, that was a tie f- for that record. Yeah. For me, I, you know, being uh, less, I feel a little bit uncomfortable with so many ties. So I went all out four, three, two, one. And that ju- that joint, you know, they're both great, but that one, I was like, you know, let me give it to this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, to scratch his point, I can't think of if X worked with anyone from Bone Thugs off the top of my head, but uh, that is a tremendous testament to Method Man on that. Yeah, for sure. So next up, we had um, uh, Bring the Pain, Bring the Pain versus Time for Some Action, uh, one of Jake's favorite songs. Um, <laughs> you know, um, for me, that's one of my favorite meth records bring the pain mm-hmm. and so I, I gave it to meth um uh-huh. i love time for some action also uh but but um bring the pain was was one of my my joints yeah it was mine too i think this is just pound for pound record to record one of the most exciting and it really makes sense it's a great lineup and even though i jumped in jumping the gun i said time for some action might be my favorite re- uh, red song bring the pain uh took the k2 and i really looked at both of their performances and meth this was one of you know his high points. I'm sure he's performed this song as much as any he's ever done. So that's what got it for me. Yeah, he was high. He was doing the meth dance. I mean, like he really, he really brought it. And he had great energy the whole night. They both did. But there were some times <laughs> when they took it to a, a whole different level. And this was one of them for sure. Next up, man, release your Delph, which was all the slang uh, in, in the 90s. I remember that just like uh, versus um, I'll be that which is, you know, two joints from different eras, you know, different parts of the 90s. And this was a case where as much as I love the Takao joint, I went with uh, I went with Red. His performance really sold it. And I thought, you know, that's a record I love because the sound of hip hop was changing a bit and, you know, Funk Doc adapted right into it. And I think that is another, you know, of his top three, you know, whatever man, Time for some action, and and I'll be that are probably my three red red man solo joints. Yeah, I'll be that is uh, also one of my top five red man joints for real. And so I, I gave it to to Red on that one. Um, uh, I'll be that is, is that Eric Sermon? That's a really good question. You know, off top, it sounds like it's Rockwilder, but it could yeah, be like neither. Rockwilder yeah. or Eric, one of the yeah. two. Yeah, um, but you know that joint just it, it goes so hard. I love and the it. video was great. You know. Yeah, the video was great for sure. Um, next up was All I Need, the Rhythm Mix, the album mix versus How High, uh, the Green Eyed Bandit mix. Um, it's, it's interesting because both of these songs 
have at least two very popular versions. Yeah. And I think that they're probably relatively polarizing in terms of, of which, you know, you know, I'm sure people like both, but I would venture to say that most people have a distinct favorite, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, and so which ones were your, which versions are your favorite of each record? I was surprised to hear the RZA version of All I Need. And when I'm alone, when I'm in, you know, when I'm in the car, I just love the way he mixed that. And it just has that grimy feel to it. So I'll lean that one. But obviously, if you're having a tender moment with a significant other, you got to go with the Puff Daddy, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the famous one that we've often seen in these recent performances. And on the flip to that, I go with the other Eric Sermon mix of How High. Um, but not, not as, uh, you know, I'm not as definitive on that. I just kind of prefer the beat. What about you? This is a classic case where you and I like are opposites. Yep. You know? um, I love the puffy, like all, you're all I need uh, to get by um, remix. Like uh, just like, just maybe it was, um, I don't know. You, you could, is, is more up-tempo. You could dance to it more in a club. Uh, it may be the same BPMs, but it sounds like it's a bit more up-tempo and um I don't know, maybe it's more R&B. Maybe that's why I, I like it more. Um, and the How High, uh, man, just Eric Sermon's bass is so deep and rumbling. In this version, in the Green Eyed Bandit mix? Yeah, on, the, on yeah. this version. Like, um, uh, and, and it's the one that was on the soundtrack. Um, it's the one that was on the Def Jam compilation. Remember the, the four the, set? Oh, word, yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, that's the one that... Um, that's the one that really hits me. So I, I gave it to um, to How High because, uh, but had it been the All I Need Puff version, I would have given it to I don't know. Um, to to Meth. And I just thought, you know, how often in concert does Meth get to perform that version? And I don't know the answer. Maybe he does, but I like that. And um, yeah, shout out to Method Man's Grammy winning uh, song. And I went, you know, I went Meth on that one for reasons that stated. So the last official round. And, and you and I, I think, called it in our, in our scorecard because we're like, what else is left? Um, and it was Tonight's the Night versus M-E-T-H-O-D Man. Um, you know, and tell me how you kind of approach this one. Again, it's the record, man, for me. It, end, it ended with the record. And, um, uh, you know, um, Tonight's the Night is just another one of those classic Redman songs. Really great sample. Um, you know, one of my, it, it, you know, probably completes the top five or, or top four for me. Um, and, you know, I love M-E-T-H-O-D Man because, you know, um, Meth was always my favorite rapper in Wu and his, mm. his solo record and his real standout and introduction and great branding, the whole nine. And so I think they played uh, that first, and I had thought I was scored as meth, but when I heard Tonight's Tonight, um, you know, this is one where it's really about the track for me because yeah. I think the vocal performances for both are just stand out, but I just like the track better for Tonight's Tonight. Yeah, and um, Scratch did what I saw years ago. I was blown away. DJ Neil Armstrong used to do those sample mixes and he would do compilations of that. And to, I think it's a Hall & Oates sample. Am I right? From Method Man. And to have him do that, um, you just knew it was coming. And 
I went meth, and you and I love to disagree. So, yeah. <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there was some bonus round stuff, too. Yeah, bonus rounds. You know, I, I don't know that we really scored this, but there was some really uh, some cool moments that came out. Um, you know, he played like a, a couple of red men joints to goodness and let's get dirty. And then he played AO, um, which, you know, is one of my favorite records of, of theirs collectively. But this is when it got really, really exciting uh, in terms of like the, the, the guests coming out. So K Solo came out, did my big brother, um, you know, and he sounds exactly the same. It's yeah. crazy uh, how he sounds. Voice is still rugged and, and, and raw. And then, you know, for me, like I said, the highlight of the night, um, when EPMD came out and they all did Headbanger together, yeah. that was just, that, that, that just blew me away, man. Uh, really, really loved that. Um, and then, you know, Scratch, you know, wanted to make sure that, that Eric and Parrish got the platform too, right? Yeah. These are guys who might not get a version, so he wanted to give them their flowers. And so, so what you're saying um was was a great way to um you know celebrate them and then it ended with triumph and the in the rock wilder and it was great to see rock wilder um get some moments too you know i can't remember if it was red or method i think it was red that really gave him shine and reminded everyone that that song was named after the producer and you know it was a few years ago you and i drove out to eric sermon's studio in long island and Parish happened to be there it was one of my favorite moments in recent years and I shout out to you because you didn't prepare EPMD questions but in a supernatural freestyle pun intended you got a great interview with EPMD that we did not expect um and that day we you know there was many different rooms going on there and there was a lot of talented and you know historic artists working that day but we said, what's up to Rock Wilder? And, you know, in that whole era, you and I talked about year 2000, not that long ago, when guys were walking away from samples and you had your Swizz Beats and you had your Neptunes. I always liked Rock Wilder. I thought his knock was really dope. And I mean, his namesake song is his best. So that was really cool to see because he's part of the Gilla House Redman camp. And, you know, they continue to work together to this day. Also, Socrates, who got a shout out the end. Um so, yeah, it was really cool. And the other thing I want to say, though, is you mentioned K-Solo. And K-Solo's name came up more than usual in the last few weeks in remembering DMX. And the history there isn't pretty because, you know, it's two guys debating over who came up with the Letterman style and the Spellbound style. And so for K-Solo to get a moment in time, strictly for his merits, strictly for two great verses that he had, and watch him kind of carpe diem that moment. Um, I I like that on a lot of levels. Yeah, you know, and, and I, the obvious reference, you know, DMX, you know, so DMX and Black Rob, like, you know, played a significant part in tonight's yeah. verses. You know, uh, Scratch celebrated them before, um, you know, Red and Mess shouted them out. Um, they did moments of silence for them a couple times. Like, um, they were big and, you know, Versus, you know, Swizz and Tim have talked a lot about it being a platform to give these artists who have put in a lot of time and years their flowers while they're here. And, you know, that resonates even more deeply after a week where, you know, a, a two-week period where we lost Rob and 
DMX. And you know, fortunately, DMX was able to have that platform, as you noted, um, last summer. And it's something that wasn't lost on you know, Red Man and Method Man tonight. They openly said it a number of times. And so it was cool at the end that they actually showered them with, with, with roses. They gave them their flowers. So, you know, uh, we scored it, you know, and our own personal scores. And, you know, we love the, the debate. We love uh, the competition. But this was definitely a celebration of both phenomenal MCs. And I think one of the best celebrations yet. You know, you and I talked about this, I think, after the third verses. And you were skeptical as to how long it continued. And I was, I wasn't, I, I, I thought there was gonna be a lot more, but I didn't think there would be as much um, as there has been, but for us to get some of the best ones yet with, you know, Ray and Ghost and now this, this late in the cycle is really, really encouraging. And like seeing the production value that's been dedicated to it with Triller, and like the moves that they're making with Peloton and things like that, man, I'm, I'm just like, I'm happy for this yeah. hip hop for this franchise, you know? Yeah. I mean, very well said. And this still felt like the same versus that it started out as it didn't feel overly corporate. I do think there was a little bit of pressure to fill the time and take it straight to 11 o'clock, but you know, I wanted to watch it all for the sake of this conversation I think Meth uh, <laughs> wanted to head out. And I have to imagine if you haven't performed in over a year like this, that's got to be taxing on the body, no matter how physically fit you are. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was a, a really good moment. And I like the roses a lot, you know. For sure, for sure. So I know we got a couple other things to talk about. Um, you know, first is, is, is Black Rob. You want to you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, last... Uh, what was it Saturday? We got word that Rob had passed away, uh, Robert Ross. And it was odd enough because in the last month we mentioned him on what's the headline and talking about the year 2000 and what a massive record woe was, but just to take it one step further, you know, I've, you know, I've been a longtime fan of black Rob for over 20 years. And that album is one of my gems in the bad boy catalog. Um, you know, life story. And it's funny because you and I, as we've alluded to here, send each other songs of the day pretty much daily. And um, I Dare You was one of my joints not that long ago. I listened to that album a lot. And, you know, Rob was a product of, if I'm not mistaken, East Harlem, definitely Uptown. And he was a talented MC with real hip hop roots, um, which I think was very necessary for Bad Boy in the late 90s and, and 2000s when people we're trying to figure out what it would look like after, you know, Mace eventually left and after Biggie had passed and Craig Mack left. Um, but, you know, what's interesting, and I didn't, I have to say, I never realized this until this week, Rob's kind of debut on Wax was on the Crew album, The Dirty 30, which I didn't realize, you know, we talk about Def Jam in the mid 90s. That's a sleeper album, you know, um, you know, of some really talented dudes. And, you know, Rob uh, appeared on the song Nothing But on the album. And around that time, he had already signed a bad boy, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around 96 or 7, but started appearing on remixes by uh, Total and 112. And eventually, you know, gets his moment on No Way Out. And then by 2000, um, as the locks have left and everything else, he gets his moment. And, you know, I look at the landscape of hip hop and I feel like Rob, Black Rob, represented a bridge between your 
you're kind of hardcore hip hop in the East Coast of the mid '90s. You're like Group Homes or your Smith and Wessons or you know, you can pick any borough and find that kind of rap and your 50 cents um, where he was still making true hip hop. What they did and, and shout out to Puff for this and, and his team, they did find a way to make it catchy. And I think what was emblematic of that. And I look at that record and, you know, Buck Wild produced it from DITC. And, you know, that I think was a launching pad for him to go on and do other records for, for Jay-Z or yeah, Jay and, and 50 and game and other people. Um, and, you know, even after that, Rob, you know, a lot of people really liked his second album. Um, and in recent years, you know, Rob was, was very active, but what I think we learned and probably didn't do enough about is his health was in jeopardy. Um, Rob suffered something like four strokes over five years. Um, he, and, and what brought awareness to him recently was when DMX passed, a video was released of Rob in a hospital bed talking about it. And I don't want to go into too much detail, but his health didn't look good. And now to get the news a week later that he had passed at 52 years old, it's just tragic. And I think we've got to use all of this stuff. I mean, on and on and on of the people we've lost in recent years to take better care of ourselves and each other. And yeah, I, um, that that kind of was a gut punch. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, you know, I, I was at uh, one of my son's baseball games when you hit me with the news, and you know, there have been so many conflicting reports about his health. Like, you know, it's he had been in the hospital a week ago, like you said, and then but then he was released, and it seemed like he was okay. And yeah, to get that news, especially you know, just a week after exit pass, was really tough. You know, uh, I was driving back and listening to the radio and um, it may have been DJ Scratch, I can't remember, but somebody on Power 105 was playing a Black Rob set. You know, obviously, Woe is the, the, the track that people remember, but, you know, he put together like a 25 minute set that was just amazing. And just a testament to the impact that he had, the records that he had, and hearing it in New York on that radio was a reminder of just how important he was um, in that era, you know, and so rest in peace to him uh, and, you know, condolences to his family and, you know, all the, the fans and supporters of Black Rob. For sure. You know, so on a, on a, on a, on a higher note, um, last week was an amazing week for Nas. Nas has been on a real run in 2021. You know, he, he got his first Grammy ever. The King's Disease Album of the Year, Rap Album of the Year, um, just last month, which was phenomenal. And now um, Coinbase, uh, which is a um, an app that allows people to buy and sell uh, cryptocurrencies. I think it's up to 50 cryptocurrencies. People mm. know Bitcoin, but there's Ethereum and Monero and like, you know, several others. And Coinbase allows people to do that with ease. And they just went public after I think seven years in business, um, and the the valuation was something like ninety billion dollars. Mm. And Nas, through his Queensbridge Venture Partners fund, um, invested in them. And typically, they invest between a hundred thousand and five hundred thousand um, dollars in their investments. And um, you know. Queensbridge didn't confirm how much, but they did confirm that it was in within their typical range. And it was at the $10 million valuation. So 
in doing the math, uh, you know, 10 million versus 100 billion, um, you know, it is, it is projected that, you know, Nas made at least $40 million and potentially as high as $206 million from that investment. Even if it's 40, yeah. that's $40 million, you know, for Nas. And so, so I think that, you know, and he, he tweeted, you know, long crypto forever in sickness and in health. So I think it's really noteworthy and amazing to see how Nas has built his wealth. You know, you got like Puff, Jay, and and Diddy, who've really used their name and likeness to 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 amass their wealth. You know, um, so Jay and Puff um, use their their clout to like uh, really push alcohol and and you know other products and establish that cool factor. And you know, it's clothing as well. Both both did clothing. You know, Jay obviously the Rock Nation. Um, you know, Puff with Revolt. All of that has been baked around their cool. Same thing with Dr. Dre with Beats. You know, it's all been uh, really driven by who they were as artists, as personalities to the culture. Nas, on the other hand, has invested in uh, Coinbase. He's invested in Dropbox, FanDuel, Lyft, like he's invested in some amazing, amazing entities. Ring doorbell. I mean, you see ring, them. Yeah, ring. And then the uh, what is it called? The Amazon. Was it Pill Pack? Yeah, um, yeah. Direct, you know, so a ton of things, right? And so, not to get into his pockets, but those investments probably add up to, you know, three, four, five hundred million dollars. And so Nas has quietly put himself in that same conversation, but in a very, very different way. And, and in a lot of ways, it's, it's classic Nas, right? Nas has always been supremely gifted, supremely talented, but like... Um, in the cut. But relatively, like, um, you know, um, quiet about it, humble, yeah. like, um, you know. And so to see him, um, you know, get rewarded through that, and shout out to Anthony Soleil, too, who is his business partner, who is driving a lot of those investments it's it's amazing and it's a great example to show that you know wealth can be built a lot of different ways you can you can own your own assets you can invest in other people's assets you know um but investing whether in yourself or in someone else's is the key and so i thought that was great and really noteworthy yeah absolutely and, and the fact that they're taking chances and doing things that um and that's not to discredit you know, any liquor, apparel, you know, company otherwise. But the fact that Nas's name, you know, yesterday I looked at a ring doorbell and my my association in my mind for the last five or six years has been Nas. And I love that because it's only through reading, you know, articles on AFH or Forbes or Business Insider that we even know that. And uh, yeah, I mean, he is a, uh, a, a you know, uh, a shy mogul. Yeah. And quick hits. Um... On the music side, Conway the Machine released an album that I think is one of Conway's best. Um, you know, one of my favorite of 2021 for sure, uh, La Maquina. Um, we put a song called Scatterbrain on our playlist a couple of weeks ago. It's featuring uh, J.I.D. And, and Ludacris. It's really interesting because it's a very different kind of beat than Conway would typically do and a very different kind of flow as well. Um, 
and he flips his flow differently, but it's still Conway. He's not selling out, but like really changing up his flow in a way that only elite MCs can do. You know, um, you know, you see Buster Rhymes doing that. You see Jay doing that. You see Kendrick doing that. Um, you know, so to see Conway flipping his style that radically and still sounding great was pretty pretty dope to me. Another standout cut for me is uh, 200 Pies with um, Two Chains produced by The Alchemist. This is one of my favorite Alchemist beats. And Alchemist has just been on a tear. Yeah. Um, the last uh, couple of years for sure, but like really for the last several years, I just did a, a, a an Alchemist playlist. It's got nearly 40 songs on it. And that guy is just, he's one of my favorite producers. Like, you know, just, um, uh, you know, no cap, uh, well, I'll say uh, he's one of my favorite producers. Yeah. So, um, um, and there's a couple other things. Um, he, what I like on that album is, I mean, he, not to cut you off, but he at one point asserts himself that you know Westside Gun is getting all this credit is kind of like the player coach and Benny's really run away with you know a couple several as we've recently talked about album of the year contenders and Conway you know reminds everyone that like you know I forget the lyric but that like I ain't one of the you know illest and this album was a statement for him of just how much he means and it's fun to see how all three of these guys have evolved so much since 2019 absolutely absolutely and on the last note you know um you and i often uh would would write things about things being bigger than hip-hop you know uh and we had a bigger than hip-hop moment today in that derek chauvin um the police officer who uh killed george floyd was convicted of second third degree murder and manslaughter um and it's so rare to see this happen um, where police officers are convicted generally, especially when the victims are, are black or African-American. And so, um, you know, that is um, something that is um, noteworthy and, you know, justice has been served. Um, it's hard to, you know, even think about justice when a man has lost his life, but um for their father that, yeah for that to be recognized is is powerful and uh, i think starting toward healing for a lot of people you know uh, there's a lot of work to be done there's a lot of uh, you know brianna taylor's uh, you know killers are still not even been tried you know there's a lot there's a lot to do but um that is a um that is a noteworthy uh, milestone when it comes to to justice for for George Floyd. Absolutely. Yeah. But again, tonight was one for celebrating. Hip hop got a major win. Uh did we did we tell you the scores? We didn't tell you the scores, did we? Um uh so for for me, I had it at eleven to fifteen. And people mm-hmm. are like, gonna be like, wait, that was only you know, twenty twenty rounds, yeah. but because of my ties, you know, um, it's sort of 11-15. And if you took the ties away, it might have been a dead draw. But um, yeah, because of the way the ties fell for me, um, I had it Redman 15, Method Man 11. Word. I had, and, and it's funny because our numbers aren't even the same. Um, I had Method Man 11, Redman 10, which is crazy and uh, again a testament to how close these these records were um 
So yeah, man, we both uh, we even got different winners. So you got meth, I got red. Wow. Yep. Which, if you had, you know, going into it, I was like, ah, I don't know. So I, um, it wasn't until I tallied that I even realized. But a uh, great, great moment for hip hop. Um, what's your song of the week, man? My song of the week is Two Hundred Pies, man. Like mm-hmm. I, I played that song over and over and over again. Like Two Chains snapped. Like if people don't start like taking two chains seriously as a lyricist, that dude snaps and like he'll snap with anybody. Like and he killed it over an alchemist beat. Uh, yeah, man. you know. So yeah, that's my joint. How I like that. He's a he's a feature sniper lately. So today, uh, an album dropped that Pete Rock tweeted about. I didn't realize it was coming out. The Hour of Crisis by Crisis, part of the Jamla family, Grammy winning producer, and he's it is a stacked album. So real quick. You know, he's got Busta and Pharaoh on a joint together. He's got Evidence on here. He's got Geechee Suede from uh, Camp Low on here. Sarok, Rhapsody, Dell, on and on and on. Chia Lee, Evidence, Problem. But my joint is from one of my favorite groups of all time, De La Soul. They feature on it. It's called Mr. Big Mouth Part 2. And it makes reference to a lot of classics. Not the De La I expected. Not the crisis I expected. But this whole album knocks. And that is my joint. Oh yeah, that that's that sounds like it's gonna be a major addition to the playlist. So, yeah, start your day tomorrow with this album, man. It's dope. All right, man. Well, always a pleasure. Likewise, until we do it again. All right, peace. peace.